You guys have your Bibles open to Revelation 22? Your phones, your apps. Are you guys ready to finish Revelation? Some of you are, and some of you, my wife has been so done with Revelation. We stu- we've been studying um, Daniel on Wednesday nights as well, and so for a big chunk of Revelation, it was Wednesdays and Sundays and Wednesdays and Sundays of all just Bible prophecy and end time stuff. And, you know, one of the things that I've, I've tried to encourage us through this study is to stay encouraged even as we studied 6 through 19. And 6 through 19 in Revelation, it details that seven-year period of human history called the tribulation in the last half, the great tribulation, and all the details in the Bible, so many details in the Bible for that period. But just knowing that as, as bad as it's going to get, that we're encouraged to know that God has not called us or appointed us to wrath. The Bible's very clear, and it says, as a child of God, you've not been appointed to wrath. And Revelation 6 through 19 is the wrath of God being poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world, and God is going to spare us from that. And it's one, one of 100,000 reasons why I'm, I'm very dogmatic about the idea that the Bible teaches a pre-tribulation rapture, that we go um, up in the rapture in Revelation chapter 4 before all that happens, um, layer upon layer. And every time I hit him in all the different chapters of the books of the Bible, we highlight those reasons for you. So we come here to the end. Last week um, in Revelation 21, we saw that... that um, one of, one of the verses that I've used at more funerals than any other verse in the Bible is in Revelation 21. And John said, Behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, adorned as a bride for her husband. And so um, we see new heaven. We talked about the details of what it's going to look like. And again, I want you to picture a new earth that's, let's just use the earth that we have round, just like it is now, just bigger and redone and remodeled. And then um, New Jerusalem, is. it even gives us the details, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles high, that it's a cube in the shape of a cube. Some say it could be shaped differently, but for the most part, it's, it's a cube, but it's multidimensional. It's not where you only live on the outsides. And we talked about the potential. If you just used, if there were 20 billion people in heaven and we only used one quarter of the space for housing, every person would have 75 acres of land. Some of you would love that. You'd be all by yourself and nobody for 75 acres. Others would like, yeah, we'd want... So whether that's a good thing and that, listen, that is just, remember, it's huge. That's just a quarter of it. That would leave three quarters of it for whatever trees and oceans and rivers and stuff that would be in the new Jerusalem. But it sits on top of the new earth. And, and so it would seem that as, as the Bible teaches in Revelation 21 and 22, that, that the, the, the heaven where we're going to spend eternity is this two phases, the holy city, new Jerusalem, and the earth and that we'll go back and forth between the both. How many of you guys are city slickers? Not too many around here. We may have a couple. I grew up a city slicker. But whether you're a city slicker or you're a country bumpkin, is that a good word? Are y'all country bumpkins? It, it, it doesn't matter. You're going to have the best of both worlds because you're going to have all the amenities of New Jerusalem and the city. You'll be able to have your, your place. And if New Jerusalem has enough for you to own 75 acres of land by yourself, what is, how much space? And the other thing we talked about last week, I hope you remember this. But Jesus said in John 14, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and so specifically, what are the things that you love? What, what is something that you'd imagine would be heaven for you? Maybe when you get there, 
It's going to be covered in like green gummy bears because you just love green gummy bears. And you're like, how did you know, Lord? But it, but it says that he's going to prepare a place for you. You know, I'm always thinking about what, you know, because I love water and maybe many people do, right? But I love a water feature. Who, who wouldn't love a house with a river flowing in a creek or river, something water flowing in your backyard or next to the ocean or a big lake? And so I know that my place is going to have some kind of water feature. And even though we read in Revelation that it says there's no more sea, well, he's going to replace it with something better. And, and so heaven is huge, and we have the earth, and we'll have access, and, and, and we'll have, you know, and we talked about the last thing from last week, I'm still recapping last week, um, was that it describes the foundations of heaven, and the gates of heaven, and the streets of heaven. The streets are paved of what? Of gold. The foundations and the gates are made out of precious stones. The, the, the foundations of pearls and the, found, and the gates uh, of precious stones. And, and so you have gold and, and all the precious stones that are mentioned. And, and yet the value in heaven we talked about last week is not what's there, but what? Who's there that we're going to spend eternity in the presence of God the Bible says that no man can see God's face and live. That nobody ever saw the face of God. No man has ever seen the face of God. One guy got kind of close. You remember who that was? You remember Moses? Two people in the Bible were given blank checks. One of them was Solomon and the other one was Moses. And Moses said, Lord, I want to see you. And, and, and why, would the, why would Moses, given a blank check, Lord said, Moses, whatever you ask, I'll do it for you. What do you want? You remember what Solomon asked for, right? Solomon asked for wisdom, and God, God blessed him. God said, Solomon, because you didn't ask for a million dollars, because you didn't ask for riches and, and, and fame, I'm not only going to give you wisdom, I'm also going to give you riches and fame. And Moses, he said, Lord, I want to see you. And it kind of baffled me for a little bit. Why would, why would Moses' request be to see the Lord? And the answer is very simple. Because when you're in love with somebody, what do you want to do? You want to spend time with them. You want to see them. What did you do when you were first dating your spouse? When you first met and you were in love and we loved each other? I'll tell you what Lydia and I did. We'd spend all day together till like midnight or something. And then we'd go to our own separate ways. And as soon as we got home, we'd call each other on the phone. And we'd talk on the phone till like three in the morning till we both fell asleep and drool running down the side of our mouth. And we just wanted to be together. Wanted to find reasons and excuses to be together. And Moses loved God and he wanted to see him. But God, but, but God couldn't allow Moses to see his face. So he covered Moses. Do you remember there in Exodus? In the cleft of the rock and he passed by him. But there's coming a day where we're going to live eternally in the presence of Jesus. And, and we're going to see his face. And it says that we're going to know him as we're known. Amen? All right, that was last week. So if we want to get to 22, we better get to this week. My wife's already shaking her head at me, man. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like Rodney Dangerfield. Some of you guys might remember, you know, some of you younger people, that went over your head, but let's look at chapter 22 and verse number one. It says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. And in the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each, fruit, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So now we have this um, new introduction to something we don't see anywhere else in our Bible. And then something else that we're maybe a little more familiar with. The first one that's new is the river of life. 
We've not seen or encountered any kind of river of life other than Jesus said, if you come to me, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. But this particular river in heaven is a new idea. We're familiar with the tree of life. We'll talk about that in a minute. But here, here you have from the throne a pure river of life that's flowing through the middle. I've seen some people try to draw pictures of what this scene in Revelation 22 might look like. And they're really cool, but obviously they'll do it no justice, right? The Bible says no, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor your mind can even grab the things that God has prepared for those that love him. So any of those pictures are just not going to do it justice. But they're cool to put your mind, be able to wrap your mind around the idea of what we're looking at. So we have this river, um, pure river of life coming in from the throne of God. And it says in the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life. Now, is there multiple trees of life on either side of the river? I don't know. I don't know if we have one tree of life that's multiplied many times, like an orange tree that's just many orange trees, or some have said that, that it's, it's one tree, but it's so big that it flows over both sides of the river. I don't know how they come up with this stuff, these Bible scholar guys that come up with this stuff, but that's one idea. Or there's many trees. But what's interesting about this particular tree is that it says that it yields its fruit how often? And it's a different fruit, 12 different fruits a month. How cool would that be? Just right there, a little thing. Like you have a tree in your backyard, and every month it yields a fruit, but it's a different fruit every month, you know? And, and who knows what they're going to be or how, how they'll be, but just the idea. Now, now two things I want to just kind of parentheses here and highlight for you, kind of study stuff. It says that it'll be a month, but isn't God outside of time? Right? We know that God is not bound by time. But you know what's interesting? Through, through the study of Revelation, we find multiple times where time is used in heaven. So, so maybe that God is not bound by time, but yet things are still measured in time in heaven. You can't get away from that. Do you, do you know, remember the verse why we know there's no women in heaven? Remember that verse? There was silence in heaven for a half hour? Just a joke, folks. Your women will be in heaven. Um, so we have that time where there was silence in heaven for a half an hour. And then here we have this thing listed in months. And so somehow it's, it's measured, but maybe just because it never runs out and there's no parameters on it, but somehow it's still measured. And so we have this tree, and it yields forth its fruit every month. Now, the tree of life, let, let's look at Genesis. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 2. Let's do a quick recap. You know, one of the things that Genesis chapter 2, one of the things, again, that's interesting and fascinating about the book of Revelation the book of Revelation quotes um, so many different books in the Old Testament and in your Bible that you have to know them all. It says there's a blessing, a special blessing in just reading the book of Revelation. And part of that blessing is because you have to, know, you have to be in so many places in the Bible to understand and follow and unlock what Revelation means. And so um, let, remember the story of the tree of life. Let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 2 in verse number 8. And it says, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put a man, the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. So, you know, it's funny. It's not the river of life that we saw in Revelation, but you have almost the same setup here in the Garden of Eden. You have a, 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 a river, the headwaters of some river, 
and it's, it's watering the tree of life and these other trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then this river, it's going to go on and explain that it's going to break up into four major rivers that, you know, the world would have known, Tigris and Euphrates and these other rivers. And it says there was gold in one of them. And, and then um, now in Genesis, fast forward to chapter 3 in verse number 22. Now, I'll just tell you what, what's happening, right? So Adam and Eve, they sinned in the garden. And Eve was deceived, and Adam made a choice. He saw his wife, and she had already eaten, and he made a choice to follow her. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Why did Adam choose this? I have a theory, but it's not, it's not rated PG for church, okay? So, um, but, but the Bible says that, Ad, that Eve was deceived, but that Adam made a willing choice. He, he, he wasn't deceived by Satan as Eve was, that he, he knew the choice that he was making, but he chose to follow in his wife's lead, and he ate of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and so after that happened, sin and death entered the world, the Bible says. And, and, God, and God shows up and he says, Adam, where art thou? Remember that? What do you think God's voice sounded like that day in the garden when he was looking for Adam? Do you think he sounded like the arresting officer? Adam, where art thou? I'm mad. What'd you do? I, I have a feeling that God's voice that day in the, in the garden was more like the, the, the heart of a broken father. The broken heart of a father. Adam, where art thou? What did you do, son? Adam, where are you? And, and, and then Adam... And Eve, they were hiding, remember? And they sewed fig leaves to cover their nakedness because their nakedness was exposed. By the way, fig leaves are really itchy. So Adam was paying a price immediately for his sin. Well, then as a result, God takes the tree of life that is going to be reintroduced in Revelation 22 where we're studying this morning and it says that he does something with it. Do you remember what he does with it? Let's look at Revelation, or I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 3 in verse number 22. It says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim in the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to the guard to guard the way of the. So God puts an angel um, in front of the tree of life with a flaming sword, and he's going to chop your fingers off if you try to touch it, because he's going to protect you from eating of the tree of life. And then, and then it just disappears. We don't have it mentioned anymore. We know there was a, um, a great flood that happens in, um, in Genesis 6 and coming up soon. And I don't know how many years. But the tree of life is, just disappears off the earth. Or it's not mentioned again until Revelation 22. But for this season, God puts an angel in front of the tree of life to guard it. Why did he do that? Because if Adam had eaten of the tree of life, he would have been stuck in this body forever. Can you imagine? That's the definition of hell. He would have been stuck, and no matter how old he got and what kind of things started growing out of his nose and his ears, he just would have lived forever. And so in God's grace, in God's mercy, because that was never God's plan, 
God's plan is for us to live forever, but in, with a glorified body and in heaven and eternity and to be like Jesus. And so he's protecting us and protects Adam so that he can't eat of the tree of life. And then the tree of life disappears. And then back to Revelation 22, finally in this scene in heaven, the tree of life reappears. And this time we have an amazing invitation from God to eat of the tree of life as freely as we like. And then not only does it bear fruit, but even the leaves of this tree are healthy. <clears throat> what does it say about the, the leaves of the tree in verse number um, 2? It says, The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, number one, I just want to tell you that word healing there in the Greek, it, it's the word therapy, where we get our English word therapy from. And so we, we read in Revelation that in, uh, in 21, that in heaven there's no years, there's no fears, there's no tears, there's no sickness, there's no disease. So what do we need to be healed from? So it's not like a doctor or a medical healing. There's nothing broken about our physical bodies that needs healing. So what does this verse mean that the leaves are for the healing of the nations? Well, the word is therapy. And so I don't know, there's some kind of heavenly therapy that you eat it and it just does something in you. I almost want to say it's like a God drug or something that just, it just, it, it completes you and, and, it, and it fills you and it's therapy for you and it's constant healing of your soul and of who you are and, and of your joy in heaven because it's not a physical healing. And then also a little quick side note here too, it says for the healing of the nations and you find this in the scripture where even in heaven, it would seem that, that there's still a division of different nations, which I think is so cool. I think it's cool that God's not a globalist. You know, that God is, you know, that maybe you will have to some degree. And I don't know, I'm not making a doctrine out of this, but may, maybe there'll be different, you know, and of course everyone's going to have peace, right, and love. And it's not me, but different tribes. Or, you know, maybe the tribe that you're from here, you know, American in 2020, this is your tribe over there. I want to be put in a different tribe, though. I want to go like, Scotland, 1700s, you know, with the Highlanders or something, but um, that where, where there's these tribes or these nations that um, God identifies here. And so we have this tree of life. Not only will we eat the fruit, but also of the, um, um, the leaves. Hey, now I said it reappears in, Gen in Revelation 20, 20, uh, 22. So somebody's going to catch me and say, oh, hold on, Pastor Chris. Doesn't the tree of life also appear in Revelation chapter 2? And to that, I would have to say yes. So let me just highlight it really quick. In Revelation chapter 2, in verse number 7, it says, And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So it's a forerunner to where we find the tree um, exposed and given to us and, given, and us given access to the tree in Revelation 22. But Jesus promises in Revelation 2 in the letters to the churches that to him who overcomes, he's going to give us access to the tree of life. And then he tells us where it's located, Revelation 2.7. It says it's located in the midst of the paradise of God. I love the word paradise in describing heaven. You know, because heaven, heaven sounds cool as it is, heaven, but when you think of paradise, it gets, adds some color and, and the idea of where we're going to be. You know, the whole idea of paradise is so enticing to all of us, right? That's why Sandals is so popular, the resort, the all-inclusive resort place, because they've, they've capitalized on this concept of selling you a paradise. And they show these pictures, you know, and 
when you, we go, Lydia actually in our 10th wedding anniversary, we went to a Sandals resort. And on the resort, it was great. But 100 yards off the resort, that's not in the brochure. <laughs> but just stay on the resort and, and you're good. And it was a little piece of paradise. And then in, uh, back to Revelation 22. In verse number 3, it says, And there shall be no more curse. Everybody say, Amen. No more curse. What was the curse? I was just in Genesis 2. I should highlight it for you guys. Turn back or just hang out if you want or turn back to Genesis chapter 2 um, or just hang out in Revelation. I'll be right back there. Sin and death entered and then each, there was three curses that were pronounced um, in the same seed in the Garden of Eden. Satan was cursed. Um, the Proto-Evangelicum is mentioned here in, 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 in um, 315. That's the first promise of the Messiah coming and of the gospel. And, and it's the first mention that Jesus was going to come and, and do war and, 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 and defeat Satan. And then to the woman, you guys were cursed as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. And your curse was, do you remember, ladies? If you've had kids, you definitely remember. Because your curse was that you will bring forth your children in pain. And then the second part of the curse, you may not remember or know as well from your Bibles, but the second part is that your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. You guys don't like that. You're ready to throw things at me. Hold on. Hey, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't write the letters. I'm just a messenger. I just deliver them. You got a problem? Take it up with God. He wrote it. Um, no, I'm kidding. This is a really good study, like for marriage study and stuff. It's so good. I don't have time to do it right now. But I'll just tell you, ladies, that one of the ideas from here, from, the, from your curse, is that, you know, God has, has made perfect parameters and um, place for husbands and wife and how we dwell together. And, and God has not elevated a husband or a wife above one another, that we're equal in Christ. We're both created in the image of Christ. But, but the dynamic that's created is that your, your curse is that your, your, your desire to pounce on, the term is like a lion pouncing on, on something. Your term is, is to pounce on your husband and dominate him. But that's not your place or your call. And so it's where you have to, again, die to yourself. Respect your husband. The New Testament says, wives, see that you respect your husbands. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so that's the struggle that you have is submitting because the Bible says to submit. And so, again, I'm not doing marriage study today. So, but that's your curse. And then for us guys, our curse was, anybody remember? Cursed is the ground for your sake. So men, every time there's a thorn or a thistle or something that just, you know, don't take that, own that. That's on you. That's our curse, right? And then the second part of that is it says that um, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. So the labor that we do is, is work and it's hard. And, and in heaven, that curse is going to be lifted. So just think, just think how amazing just in that aspect alone that, that we'll be for all of eternity, that we'll do what we want to do, we'll do what we love to do, and it won't feel like work. It'll feel like get to. It'll feel like want to. And ladies, you won't have give birth in pain anymore. I don't know that you'll be given birth, period. <laughs> and, and the Bible says in heaven there's no, more, there's no marrying or giving in marriage. So you won't have the desire to pounce on your husband in heaven. Like a lion. Rah! <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes, men. For us, we'll get to work. 
And, and you know, I'm so stoked about it. I'm so stoked about the idea that not only will you just, what, what do you guys like to do? What would you do? Like, what would your job description be? Now, I, this is one thing that bothers me a little bit. Let me just kind of give you a little of my pet peeve. Let me vent a little bit. Sometimes I hear the idea that um, people don't know what they're going to do for all of eternity in heaven. Now, I understand the idea of heaven being for all of eternity, and that's a long time to wrap your mind around. And you don't have to wrap your mind around it. But I just think it's kind of funny that we, we struggle finding purpose in heaven, but we don't struggle finding purpose here on earth. Like we, we understand we have a purpose here and we do things here and we have kids and we got to raise them. We got to provide. We got to, you know, make a difference in the world. And, and no problem finding a purpose here on earth. But when it comes to heaven, and, and not you guys, other people I've talked to, you know, struggle with the idea of finding purpose in heaven. Well, I want to encourage you that you will have no problem finding purpose in heaven. You're not, you know, this is one of the comments. I don't want to go to heaven. It's going to be boring. We're just going to be little fat cherubs and we're going to sit on a cloud and play a harp for Jesus all for 10 million billion years. Like my fingers are going to get tired. Like that, you know, honestly, here's the truth. If, if that is your concept of heaven, the problem is not with your concept of heaven. The problem is your concept of God. The problem is you don't know Jesus. Because if you know my Jesus, you know that he doesn't, that's not what he has for you. He loves you so much. He created you for pleasure, for his pleasure, that he's got a blessing over your life and he just wants the best for you. And, what, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he describes it as a paradise. And it'll be all that and a bag of chips. And you won't have time. For, but listen, I don't think we're just going to sit around and, be, and do nothing. And I think we're going to have purpose. I think in the purpose that we're going to work. We're going to have jobs. We're going to have things that we do. That, you know, we're going to have, and that's going to tell us exactly here in a minute, one of the things that we will do unequivocally so there's no debate about it. But I don't know what I'm going to be. I think I'm going to be a lifeguard. Because my place is going to be in, in, in Hawaii on Kauai Beach. So um, maybe I'll just be a lifeguard. And I'll, I'll actually get to wear them little red shorts. Little, little, little sundials under my eyes. And that's it. I'll be good to go. And you guys will never drown because that won't be possible. So I'll never even have to get out in the water and save anybody. All right, in verse number three. No, we're still in three. We're, we're moving along. Hey, but listen. It's going to tell us. It's going to tell us. And there shall be no more curse. That's what we were talking about. So we spent some time on. No more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. We hit on this last week. Listen, this is the, the glory of heaven is that the, God, the, the Lamb and God will be in it. That we, it says in chapter 21 that God will be our God and we will be his people. And he will dwell with us and we will dwell with him. And we will be with Jesus for all of eternity. And then look what it says. It says, and his servants shall do what? So what are you going to be in heaven for all of eternity? It tells you right here in verse 4, very, very clearly, what you're going to be in, all, in heaven for all of eternity. You're, you're going to be a servant of God. And you're going to serve him, it says, for all of eternity. You know this term here in the, in the Greek? It's, it's the same term for slave. But, you know, slave in our culture today obviously has a very negative connotation. You can't really use that term and, and get anywhere with it or be politically correct. But I want to tell you, the idea of being a slave in God's eyes is not perverted like the way. And we have absolutely perverted and, and, and abused slavery um, in this world. Okay? So, so but for us in, in this context of us being in heaven, 
that we're going to be a slave to God and we're going to love it. It's going to, it's going to be paradise. You know, you, you think of the idea of somebody standing at attention, waiting for the master to give you an order. And you're going to love it. And you're going to have purpose. And as we serve him, we're going to serve in our jobs, in our places, in our purpose, in, in our work. And it's all going to be joy. And it's not going to be nine to five. And, it's, and there's no curse, men. So everything that we do, it's not by the sweat of our brow, but it's by the joy of our hearts. Amen? And it's with the joy of our hearts, you know? And so, um, but we're going to serve God for all of eternity. I love it. And we'll have amazing purpose, right? With no curse, enjoy what we do. Um, and serve the Lord. Verse 4, it says, and we shall see his face. We already talked about that. No one will see his face. Um, and his name shall be on their foreheads. We got to talk about that. Hey, but turn with me if you will. Go left, um, past Revelation to 1 John. This is a verse you should be familiar with in your Bibles. Um, this talks about heaven. In 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, now, everybody say now, we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Now, it's not yet been revealed what we shall be. Now, we know the Bible says that we're going to be changed in the, in the instance, in the twinkling of an eye, that we're going to be given a glorified body, the same body that Jesus had post-resurrection, the same body that Jesus was in when he appeared to over 500 people after he died on a cross and rose again. He went into a room where the disciples were gathered and he didn't open the door. He, he also ate though, which was interesting. Um, and so it says, it's not yet appeared what we're going to be, what we shall be. But listen, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, capital H, shall be like God, like Jesus, for we shall see Jesus as he is. We shall see him as he is. So, it's not yet revealed what we're going to be, but we know when we see him, when he's revealed, that we're going to be like him, and we're going to know him as he is. We're going to know him as we're known. So there's not going to be, there's not going to be a classroom in heaven where, where you've got to learn a bunch of things, and, and maybe we can learn. I've heard pastors say things like, we will be learning things and, and doing things because the Bible, the Word of God, will have that in heaven because the Bible says it's, it's the Word of God is eternal, that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But... There's a quickening that's going to take place when you're transformed, 1 Corinthians. In the twinkling of an eye, the dead... In, I'm sorry, no, it's not that one. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So when that happens in the rapture, in death, when we receive our glorified bodies, there's a quickening that takes place according to 1 John 3, 2, and immediately we'll know Jesus as we're known. How well does Jesus know you? He knows how many hairs are on your head. We talked about last week. He keeps your tears in a jar, ladies. And, and he knows you intimately. And, and we're going to know him as we're known. How cool is that going to be? We're just going to know. We're going to know Jesus. You know, um, my cousin has had a, um, he's a prayer warrior and, and he has a ministry of prayer and intercessory prayer. And he shared with me, you know, of, of just being in prayer and, and being in the presence of Jesus. And he, and he said, one of the things is, he said, you know, and I know this is true, and this is consistent through the word. He said, when you're in the presence of Jesus in that setting, that you, you don't ask questions that get answers. You, it's like you have questions, but you just know the answers. In the presence of God, and when he shows up and he begins to speak, that he just quickens it unto you. You know those things. 
And that's what 1 John says, that, that when we see him, we're going to know him as we're known. Amen? All right, back to verse 4, Revelation 22. And it says, um, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Now, how many of you guys in here frown, you make fun of, you judge people when you see them with face tattoos? <laughs> Tell the truth. Well, you're all going to have a face tattoo for all of eternity. You're going to be like Post Malone and then some. You're all going to be tatted up. And it's not going to say stay, stay tired either. It's going to say, it, it says, I mean, is it like, maybe you guys can read it and figure something else out. Talk to me about it later. But I'm pretty sure this says in English here, right, that his name will be written on your forehead. And I'm not, I'm teasing, right? I'm not saying that in heaven we get inked tattoos on our forehead and it's like the same as it is here. But his name will be on our forehead. And you know what the funny thing is? I can't see my own forehead. I can see you. I can look around. I can see the name of God on every one of you. But not on myself. You know, and so I wish we could do that today where you just look around and you just see God in people, God on people, and, and, and you love them the way that God loves them. You treat them the way that God treats them, and you recognize that they are children of God. But there's coming a day, and this, this concept, you guys, of, of God writing his name on, on his people is, is nothing new, all the way through the Bible, right? All the way back to Cain and Abel. Cain slew Abel, God put a mark on his forehead. The Jews, 144,000 Jewish evangelists, Revelation 11 and 14, he's going to mark them on their foreheads and, and seal them. It says that you and I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit today. That you've been given a seal. The same seal today of the Holy Spirit. Well, in heaven, for all of eternity, and I don't know how it practically plays out, the way that John describes it is it's a mark on our foreheads. And, and so for all of eternity, we're sealed um, for the Lord. And then in verse 5, it says, And there shall be no more night there. So no night, you guys. No sleeping. Do we, a couple questions I get in heaven. Do we sleep? Do we eat? Do we have to go to the bathroom in heaven? Well, I, because, I, because, right, part of you is like, how is it heaven if I can't take a nap? Well, if you're not tired from working, because there's no curse, and there's no sweat of the brow, you know, and then you think, man, that can make heaven last that much longer, but there's no night there. It doesn't say anything about sleep or not sleep, so I don't know. Um, we definitely will eat in heaven, because for seven years we'll be at the marriage feast of the Lamb, with Jesus, where we eat. And then it says that we just read where the, the, we're going to eat of the tree of life. Now, some have said that, that we don't eat like we do today to live and for sustenance, and so you stay healthy and um, you live so for energy. You, you more eat for pleasure and you eat when you want to eat, eat what you eat, and you never have to get on a scale again. <laughs> eat whatever you want to eat. I really hope there's Krispy Kreme donuts in heaven. And I can eat as many of them as I want. Well, shoot, I do that now. <laughs> All right, tacos. Are there going to be tacos in heaven? But, um, but, yeah, so it'll be great, whatever it is, whether we eat, sleep, and then go to the bathroom. I highly doubt it. <laughs> There'll be no, no need in your glorified bodies. It's my guess. Um, and then there's no night there. Verse 5, they need no lamp nor, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever. And so like the sun 
produces light on our planet today. Jesus produces the light. God produces the light, and, and it just he illuminates the place. There's just a natural heavenly light in heaven. There's no night there. There's no need for, for lamps or, or flashlights because there's no darkness in heaven, that it's just eternal light. Hell is the opposite. Hell is described in the Bible as eternal darkness, a place um, of outer darkness, beyond darkness. And then in verse 6 it says, Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. People have a problem with verse number 6 because it says shortly take place. And this was written about 1900 years ago. But listen, we, we, we came across this same concept in Revelation chapter 1. This Greek word is the same word where we get um, the word tachometer from. It's, it's a rev, it's a measurer of, of things. And so um, what it means is that in a rapid succession, 